0: This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
1: Have you ever wondered why you're not making a podcast? Maybe because you think it's too hard. Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I mean, you're immediately in the podcast game. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So right now download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. Just go to A-N-C-H-O-R.fm and join me on Anchor.
2: Presented by UFAMET.
1: Broadcasting from the heart of Cascadia and the edge of the world. Welcome to Night Drift, presented by UFAMET. I'm Jim Perry. Thank you for listening to this bonus series tonight. I'm joined by co-host Sapphire Sandalo and Night Drift series contributor Darcy Staniflund. This time, in discussion with intuitive investigator Stephen Williams of Memphis Ghost Investigations and Spirit Rescue. It's now on this edition of our bonus series, Night Drift, presented by Men. Stephen Williams is an experienced, clairsentient, and claircognizant paranormal investigator of U.S. hauntings since 2002. Currently, he directs Memphis Ghost Investigations and Spirit Rescue, which he founded in 2018. His past investigations feature notoriously haunted locations, as well as hundreds of residences, businesses, and public sites in the Mid-South. Stephen, thank you so much for being a part of Night Drift here by you,
3: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.
1: And I'll introduce my co-host for tonight, Sapphire Sandalo, a podcaster, an artist in Los Angeles. She created the fantastic podcast Stories with Sapphire and can be seen on Paranormal, Caught on Camera on the Travel Channel. We welcome her back to Night Drift. This time is co-host, Sapphire Sandalo. Yay,
0: thank you so much for having me.
1: (laughs) Appreciate it. You know, this is one of those nights where I just want to lean deeply into the darkness and find light within it. I mean, I think that a lot of us involved in looking into the esoteric or paranormal are trying to find just that, but because of the heightened nature of everything that's going on around us, both hilarious and tragic it's in this shadow that we can find some sort of light, I think. It's easier to find when you're in the dark. So let's do that tonight. That's why Stephen is here tonight. You know, I think I'm so impressed, Stephen, by your website, for one, and the amount of information that you give on there about things like your ethics that you go by in these investigations and what drives you as a sensitive in this environment. So I think just to start off, You know, what do you feel makes your team unique?
3: Well, unlike uh, most people who are in the paranormal field, our focus is not on going in and trying to uh, collect evidence. Uh, We're there basically to connect with the spirit. If we encounter someone there, uh, hear their story, uh, do some counseling, and then help them to uh, release and transition. So it's... uh, it's not a very time-consuming process. I was just in a house last night. I think we were in the house for 80 minutes. Mm. Uh, we encountered a, um, an earthbound male spirit there. He had actually been the owner of the house, and uh, so we were able to do some counseling with him and explain the options. You know, we don't ever want to force anybody out. They may, be, they may need that experience of being an earthbound spirit for a while, and that's okay, but they, uh, we feel like our responsibility is to go in and do some counseling and and explain that they do have options.
1: Yeah, fantastic. And within those stories is so much truth that can be found, right? I mean, I guess I'd like to ask, you know, what are these abilities that you possess that allow you to go and counsel with an earthbound spirit?
3: Well, I'm clairsentient and also claircognizant so that, um, for instance, last night on the way to the site, we were able to connect with uh, two those two spirits who were there, the earthbound male. There was also a grandmother there of uh, of the homeowner, mm. and she uh, also wanted to deliver some mediumship-type messages to a, a great-granddaughter who's also there. Oh, wow. So, We're able to just get the impressions, uh, their thought impressions come through, and we're able to read their energy and get that information and then pass it along to the homeowners. Uh, So I don't ever want to know anything, basically, about what's going on in a place, and any specifics, rather. So we just want generalities. We want to know if they've uh, seen an apparition. We don't want to know who they've seen and uh so we just we just get some general information, and then it 's our uh, it 's our goal to go in there, connect with whoever 's there, uh, hear their story, and relay that information to the homeowner, uh, and see if that coincides with their experiences and you know mostly it does uh, just about every single time we go somewhere, so it really kind of streamlines the process, and we 're not there with equipment and trying to you know, get interaction with the spirit box or uh, or some kind of uh, um, EMF meter or something like that. So it's it's very efficient and um, it's not cumbersome at all. So it's uh, it's it's a good way to work. It really is, and it's the way that we found is most effective for us for our team.
1: Yeah, and and you being clairsentient sentient and claircognizant, cognizant, your partner also. Has inherited abilities. Yeah. What are they and how would, how would you classify that?
3: Yes. Uh, my main partner right now is Kayla Bales. Um, she is a clairvoyant and clairaudient medium. So she, she can get more visual information than I usually do. And also, um, I might hear a word here or there, but she'll hear like complete sentences and uh, the thought transmission just comes through a lot easier for her. I did have a guest investigator with me last night. His name is Stevie Monty Smith, and he's a young, uh, developing medium in our area. And he was very, very accurate last night. Got the name of the homeowner, uh, the previous homeowner who was there uh, mm-hmm. in an earthbound spirit form, uh, which was validated by the homeowner. And so um, we got a lot of information that um, you know was was quite relevant uh, to the investigation and provided the answers that this particular person was looking for.
0: How did you uh, meet Kayla?
3: Well, um, we have a, a mutual teacher here in the Memphis area named Ellie Fristensky. She's a, a, a trans channeler, and she's been teaching metaphysical uh, classes for about 40 years. She's actually from um, New York area, but she's living in, in northern Mississippi now. And every year she has a little gathering of her former students. So about two years ago, in October of 2018, uh, there was a public um, mediumship platform demonstration, and Kayla was one of her students at the time, and she got before an audi- got in, f- in front of an audience and uh, did a reading. Uh, she brought through someone's aunt, and then she started talking about this little girl. And, uh, there's a little spirit girl named Alice who's around me. She's actually a spirit rescue from St. Augustine, Florida. Mm. And, um, after, after I was involved in her rescue many years ago, she started appearing around me. So she's kind of my test for genuine mediums. If people see her around me, I know that they're, they're the real deal. So Kayla started describing this little girl and, um, the only thing she got a little bit off was the hair color. Uh, this little girl's her name is Alice and, uh, she has blonde hair and she described her hair as being brown. So I wasn't sure if that was, you know, who she was connecting with, but afterwards I went up and talked to her and uh, it was Alice. She just kind of got the hair color off a little bit. And after that, um, it was apparent to me that I needed to put together a new team uh, for spirit rescue work in this area. I'd kind of been taking a little break for a while. And Kayla was, was first person I asked. That's how we came together.
1: Cool. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. And that area, you know, the stories that could be told there in Memphis and dark little rooms and beer covered floors, smoky stained walls. Uh, Are there a lot of those music venues and cultural hubs? that have folks still there?
3: Well, I I would say the most famous one in our area is probably Graceland. That's Elvis Presley's home. And I've actually encountered the crossed over spirit energy of Elvis there. Um, (laughs) I have a couple of medium friends that I took there one time uh, about six or seven years ago when we were, I don't know if any of you have been in Graceland, but when you go up into the house, you walk into the entryway there and off to the right, there's a room that has a big white piano in there. And apparently that's where he liked to go and sit and practice. And as soon as we walked into that space, I could feel this really uh, high vibrational masculine energy. For me, I feel masculine on the right side around my crown chakra. So I felt this energy come into our space. And then um, my friend who was there with me from um, Jacksonville, Florida named Linda she kind of uh, collapsed into me and I said, Oh my gosh, what happened? And she said, well, he came up and kissed me on the neck. So oh, she's clairvoyant. Yeah. You can see him. <laughs> so he's he's still really friendly and he's still there in that, in that space. But uh, of course we have a lot of musical history in this area. And there's uh, there's old juke joints around here that are still in operation and, and they have a lot of energy in them too.
1: Yeah. Wow. Amazing. You know, my mother-in-law, I was sitting there in her living room and, you know, she has Han Holzer's ghost book sitting on her shelf. You know, she watches Sapphire's show and and I watch it with her. She's she's totally a um, paranormal buff. And also sitting on her shelf right next to that Hans Holzer book is a statue of Elvis which is her all-time favorite performer. So when I told her that I was going to be interviewing you, Stephen, oh. <laughs> what do you think her first question was for me to ask you? Well, <laughs> oh, so, that's a good so story thank
3: you. for her then. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. Thank you, for that. thank you for that. So, you know, I'm interested, because of the state that we're in right now with the pandemic, how mm-hmm. has that affected your work on both a physical level in terms of the spaces you enter and how you have to navigate those worlds? But... Have you have you seen a change within the spirit realm during this time? No, not
3: really. Um, of course, when we go into someone's home, we wear, we wear a face mask and we also ask them to do that if they're comfortable doing that. We did that last night in this home. Uh, we're also able to work remotely sometimes. So um, we've done some work. I actually had a had a visitation from a spirit in California about a, about a couple of months ago. Uh, I had talked to a gentleman out there, and that spirit actually came to my home, and I was able to do some counseling and help her cross over. So sometimes we're able to do that. We used to have a team member, uh, Jennifer Brooks, who who's no longer with us. She was excellent at that, and she was always the one I would refer those cases to. But, um, no, generally – um, we're staying pretty busy we're doing maybe one or two on the weekend uh during this time uh, so i don't really haven't seen a whole lot of change um you know from that now it did that energy did really uh heavily affect the mediums that i work with they they're okay, so right. super sensitive to energy yeah. i don't know if that's the same with you sapphire if you feel that or whatever but uh yeah that it kind of took them a while to get um, to get adjusted to the uh you know it's kind of like a big fear energy around the world right now that people are having to deal with so that did affect them physically in the beginning, but they adjusted to it and I think their guides helped them adjust their energy
1: yeah and you know during this time I mean I think that's that's great that the services you provide you can just still do and still function yeah. in that way, especially in a in a time where a lot of folks are are stuck in their home, perhaps with others that they may have never noticed before. <laughs> yeah. But now they're they're here. Um, you know, I'm interested, what is one of the most surprising investigations you've ever taken part of?
3: In what respect do you mean surprising?
1: Has there ever been an investigation that just completely blew your mind or changed your perspective on something that... Uh, you know, sort of took you back and surprised you, convinced you that maybe you didn't have all the answers at that time.
3: Oh, you learn something every time you go. I mean, um, it's, it's kind of a process of, uh, fine tuning things and, you know, honing your skills better and better each time. I've had a couple of, uh, cases that, um, didn't turn out the way I thought they would because, um, one in particular, we got called over. We got contacted by a family on the other side of Nashville, and um, they were talking. You know, they in their emails and then their phone conversations. They were describing how their children were being terrorized. So many times, we will travel way beyond our 150 mile radius around Memphis to help families that are having um, issues with you know children being traumatized. Mm so we we went over in that area. I was working with a medium named Stephanie at the time, and um, as we got closer to this site, it's we started both picking up on some really weird vibes It started feeling a little strange. and um, as we got really close to the house um, around the corner, in this little country road that we were driving down, uh, driving down uh, this wheelchair came barreling around this corner. And there was this really old, I can only describe her as a haggy looking type woman in this wheelchair. And she was flying down the middle of the road. And I actually had to get off the side of the road to avoid hitting her. And uh, I looked at my friend. I said, did you, see? she went right past us. I said, did you see that? And she said, yeah, and we turned around, and looked, and had vanished. So it was,
1: yeah. Um, oh
3: <laughs> so it was an apparition. It was kind of a, it was kind of a foreboding thing. Mm-hmm. And so we went went on down to the house, which was maybe five minutes from there. And it, nothing seemed right. Nothing felt right. And I asked Stephanie to stay in the car. And when I went up to the house and knocked on the door, uh, it took a little while for the door to be opened. And this uh, this very strange looking man in a diaper hmm. came to the door and didn't say anything, just looked at me. And I know it was at the right address because we, we had the GPS and I had all the uh, information there correctly. It was on the mailbox. And uh, so I just turned around and left. it just nothing felt right about it. And um, I tried to contact that family Several times afterwards and never got an answer from them. So I don't know what that was all about. That was some kind of weird, it was almost like a setup in a sense or something. I don't know what it was. That one didn't turn out anything like I expected.
0: Yeah, that's super weird. That would be really crazy. mean if people were like playing a prank on you or just like were intentionally trying to mislead I don't, I don't you. Know or...
3: but <laughs> that's so the, weird. I know one thing that the apparition that came down the road was not part of a prank. <laughs> that was real.
1: Yeah, Stephen, what do we make of similar apparitions that folks see in every country town in America? This woman in white, or specter seemingly that's on the roadside or next to the highway or flying up against someone's car you know these stories are sort of endless in in, in in mythic in a lot of senses have you dealt with any other of those cases and and what do you think is going on between roads and transit and spirits is it an issue of liminality or being stuck in between or something
3: yeah, I think sometimes there are spirits that, that walk highways and so forth because they're kind of on a mission. Uh, I know there was uh, a report I heard of an apparition on a little um, rural highway uh, about about an hour's drive east to Memphis. So I actually went looking for this person because uh, i would heard a lot of reports about people seeing this, this, this older gentleman walking down the, down the road. And we actually connected with him and uh, was working with a medium named Rebecca at the time. And the story that he told us was that his daughter had been killed on that highway and he was searching for her. Mm. So I think some of it is, you know, just something like that. You know, people are kind of on a mission and they're not going to stop until they they reach their destination or or connect with the people they're looking for. So we actually were able, we work with uh, spiritual allies on the other side that allow us to connect earthbound spirits with their loved ones who have crossed over. So we were able to connect him with that daughter and he was able to release and transition. So he's no longer walking that highway. Yeah.
1: Jeez.
0: Something that I really appreciate about what you do, Stephen, is that you have a very uh, empathetic approach to what you do. And I feel like, um, you know, when you look at YouTube and everywhere, like, you know, everyone's trying to be a ghost hunter and everyone's just walking around with their little machines and going into places and just yelling at <laughs> spirits. And just like as someone who is also in like the paranormal space and has to react to videos of people doing these things, it's really mm-hmm. frustrating to watch. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to say that I appreciate your. Approach, And also I'm curious to know what are some ways that you protect yourself from any like negative entities from attaching yourself to you? Because, you know, when you work in the spirit realm, you also are susceptible to uh, spirits that may not be as, you know, ben- benevolent. Is that a word? Yeah. <laughs>
3: Well, I think everything is is a form of energy and is vibrating at a certain frequency. So I feel like if someone goes into this kind of work and their intent is good, is to help and is to always um, try to provide a positive outcome to every situation, I feel like you're really kind of divinely protected. And as long as you keep your personal vibration high, I've been doing this for 18 years, I've never had any kind of issues at all with any kind of, I've been around some darker negative type spirits, but it's almost like uh, when your vibration's high it repels that, mm. that lower vibrational energy. So my advice to people that are, you know, in the field is just to always, you know, try to keep your vibration high as, as possible. And I, yeah, I just don't think you have any problems with it. I never have. And nobody I've ever worked with has ever had any problems. So I think it's just a matter of your intent And uh, your focus on your work is is so important.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, fascinating. You know, I I was hoping, Stephen, we could go back a second and actually we could revisit when the spirit from California visited you. And can you describe, you know, what something like that feels like? What does it look like to you, even in your mind's eye? How did that specific interaction occur?
3: Right. Well, what happened was I got a uh, voicemail from a a gentleman in California and he lived up in Northern California and they were having some spirit activity in their home. And I don't know if he had read somewhere or heard somewhere that we did, we worked remotely. So uh, at the time I had Kayla and Jennifer working with me. And if we got a request like that, I would, I would always, you know, kind of pass it on to Jennifer because she had a little bit more experience working with, with that type of situation. But, um, so I, being a clear sentient, I can be on a phone call with someone and basically tell who's, who's there in form. So I knew I could feel that there was an earthbound female spirit in the house and an earthbound male. I, I sometimes get a little bit, a little bit more information when I'm actually on a phone call. Usually it's easier when I'm in a location when I'm right in the energy, uh, to mm-hmm. read it, you know, it's easier to read the energy. Sure. But yeah. So I told him, uh, you know, well, I, f- I told him, um, I felt like he did have someone there and I tried to get my partners involved. So, uh, I guess this female was really eager and it's almost like you have an energetic connection. You establish that when you talk to someone on the phone or even by email, you kind of some kind of energetic connection that's established. Mm. So that night, uh, that was maybe 7 o'clock in the afternoon when I called him, and I told him uh, I'd try to get get them involved. Well, that night, right before I went to bed, I was almost in that state, almost went to sleep uh, in that hypnagogic state where you're kind of in between waking and sleeping. You're kind of there. And being clairsentient, I feel their energy when they come in. So I could feel a female spirit. I feel feminine energy on this side. I could feel this feminine energy come into my room. And um, it was one of those instances, I guess, I was in the um, state of awareness that I was able to see her very clearly. She was a young girl. She looked like she was about 14 or 15 years old. Uh, She was from a little bit earlier time. And uh, it seems like I got a name for her. Some of the stuff is fleeting. When it comes in, it kind of goes uh, sure. but anyway, I get, I got a really good description of her. And also I did some counseling with her. She actually crossed over right there in my bedroom. Wow. <laughs> I was able to help her release and transition. And so the next morning, um, I, I thought about it. I thought, did I dream that or did that really happen? You know? And cause it, it just, it was so vivid and everything. So I decided to go ahead and contact him. And I said to him, um, over the phone well something ha- occurred here last night i just want to see what you think about it so i said i felt like this girl came to me from your home and i described her and everything and she said he said that's exactly who we've seen in our home so it was really her and that was the validation wow. i needed that it was a it was an actual experience that i'd had
1: oh my god that's so was amazing some,
3: yeah sometimes it will come to you and um even last night uh when we were driving to the house we went to last night about I'd say it was about twenty minutes. When we were twenty minutes out from the house, the Earthbound mail came to us. And he was very excited, mm-hmm. and you know that we were coming, so he knew he was going to get some help. And then um, that's happened many, many times. Sometimes we're an hour out or thirty minutes out, and they'll come to us and just kind of give us a little preview. You know that they're there and they're they're expecting us and they're excited and happy that we're coming.
1: Wow, it makes so much sense that they wouldn't you know, necessarily be surprised of yeah. of your arriving, you know. Uh, yeah. I want to bring in Darcy Staniforth right now.
4: Hey, thanks, Jim. Hi, Stephen. Nice to meet you.
1: Hey,
3: Darcy. Nice to meet you.
4: So I've got a, a couple questions that I'll kind of, I think, tie into one another. But, you know, thinking about this work, and Jim mentioned – ethics, right? Which we've had numerous conversations about the importance of ethics and staying away from problematic things. But one of the first things I, I was wondering is, you know, how do you, how do you been doing this for 18 years? And thinking back to the story you told a little bit ago about, um, what, what you said felt like a setup. Like my first thing was like, oh, you walked onto into a Rob Zombie film because that's what that, <laughs> that story felt like. But how do, you, how do you vet clients, right? As they're contacting you. And in that kind of tied to that same question would be, um, how do you handle it when it's apparent that it's not a supernatural situation happening, but it is more of a psychological situation happening for these folks uh where they need to maybe deal with earthly counseling as as opposed to spiritual counseling
3: yeah well generally you know of course since i'm clairsentient i can be on with somebody or even you know an email sometimes i can read the energy from that it's it's easier usually on the phone i can always tell if there's someone there if they actually Mm -hmm. have spirit energy there um, or someone around them. And sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's just a crossed over loved one that wants to get a message through. That's all that's needed. You know, they're not really, there's no earth bounds on the, at the property. It's just someone wants to get a message through. Uh, so I will have a conference phone conversation with someone and I'm able to get some information like that. And then we also have a um, a legal permission form. We don't set foot on anybody's property without their signature. And, um, we do it electronically. It's electronic signature. So uh, there's also some questions involved in that. Um, you know, I want to know if they've used a, a Ouija board, if they've done any kind of occult practices and those kinds of things. And if other people have investigated, because sometimes that can, you know, cause problems, stir up things and if it's done incorrectly. Um but occasionally, you know, someone sounds really sincere, and uh, they kind of slip through the cracks. And <laughs> it's funny you asked that question because I was talking to to my uh, to Stevie yesterday on the way to this investigation, and I was describing this uh, solo investigation I did maybe about two or three months ago. A lady contacted us, and um, I wasn't, or really wasn't picking up anything strong there. I could feel someone around her and I feel like it, I felt like it was a loved one that was around her. So I was thinking it was one of those situations where we might just need to go in and provide some mediumship for that person to get their message across. So I went to the lady's apartment and it was quite apparent that um, it was all psychological for her. There was absolutely no earthbound energy around in that site or anything like that. And she had actually, Uh, arranged her apartment. I'm not going to go into details, but it was very bizarre (laughs) the Mm. way she had done to provide protection what she thought was protection for herself. Mm. So I was there. I did a clearing, you know, which would help because that's an apartment that a lot of people have come and gone, you know, over the, over the years. And there's always energy that's deposited anywhere that people live. It's sometimes emotional energy, like from, anxiety, depression, that kind of thing. So clearing always helps. And the way we do that is vibrationally. We don't sage or anything like that. So I did that for her. And um, as I was leaving, she said, well, I'm feeling this again. You know, she's describing what she was feeling. And there was just nothing going on there. So, you know, I wasn't there more than about 15 or 20 minutes. Just just gracefully exited as soon as possible. So those, you know, it's, it's rare, but occasionally people... People have those kinds of things going on.
4: And, you know, something you touched on was, you know, asking if they had been involved with occult practices and, Mm -hmm. or a Ouija board or things like that, right? Uh, Some of us live in areas where uh, more open spirituality is not surprising, right? (laughs) Like being in the LA area, you're like, oh, you Mm -hmm. worship color. Gotcha. Like totally understand it. Um, (laughs) um, May not, may not be your thing but like there's a lot of open spirituality here but being in memphis and being Uh you know bible belt adjacent right how is your gifting received in a part of the country that can often have a very like it's either of god or of the devil kind of binary associated with it in a lot of ways
3: yeah, well, I think one thing the uh, television programs have have accomplished over the past decade or so uh, is that it's it this is more in, in the awareness of people now, and there's not so much judgment um, as there used to be around this subject. So, you know, I have a website up. Uh, people can look at it. They can either, you know, dismiss it or they can agree with what we're we're putting out there. And uh, but. There, there are a lot of, there's a lot of spirit activity in our area. You know, we had uh, yellow fever in this area in the 1870s. Uh, we've had Civil War activity and, and uh, so forth. So there's a lot, you know, there are a lot of people that need help with this. And people are just, uh, people are not so much judgmental as they used to be 25, 30 years ago. We might have been run out of town. <laughs> but uh, people appreciate that we offer this service and it's free. And the Ouija board thing, let me make a comment about that. Okay, what is a Ouija board? It's a piece of cardboard with some numbers on it and letters on it, right? And a plastic planchette. But in my experience, it's the intent.
1: Nope, did we lose I think intent- froze. water
3: glass or whatever? It's intent. Yeah.
1: It's the intent- I, th- I think you're back there, Stephen.
3: You got my back?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Go ahead.
3: Okay. So, uh, that's a little spirit interference there, probably (laughs) (laughs) that happens. Um, but anyway, it's the intent and the cases that I've had where people have run into trouble with that is where they become obsessed with it. You know, there was one lady in Arkansas, she would leave work on her lunch break and go home and play with her Ouija board. And she eventually drew in a spirit that she claimed assaulted her, um, regularly. Mm. So, um, You know, that's the danger. Um, I do have a friend in Little Rock. She's a medium. And uh, when her mom passed away, right before her mom passed away, they made an agreement between the two of them that whichever one of them passed first, they would try to contact the other. Oh, wow. At that point, she really wasn't a a developed medium. And she tried everything that she read about to, to make that contact. And she did use a Ouija board but her intent was good. Her intent was only to talk to her mother, no one else. She wasn't just opening the door and saying, Hey, anybody come in, mm-hmm. you know? So that's my experience with Ouija boards.
1: And and how often, thank you, Darcy, and please just stay not on mute and just chime in. You know, I, I wonder how often you've experienced folks pulling in energies that they're not ready for as opposed to something that seems like more of a natural process, if for lack of better words, Stephen.
3: Oh, yeah. You know, anybody, uh, when they awaken to their, I think everybody has latent psychic abilities, mediumship abilities that kind of, I think everybody has them, especially when they come in as children. Mm. And then when you get to school, they they tell you that all this is, you know, imaginary and everything and you lose it, or it kind of goes dormant right. for a long period of time. And in my experience for, for women, it seems to, um, become um, awakened when they're maybe when their careers are kind of coasting along. Well, maybe their children are out of the house, that kind of thing. They have more, more time to themselves. But uh, we have a lot of cases where we're called to homes where someone has awoken to their gifts, you know, and they're attracting spirits to them right and left. And uh, so a lot of our work is not only to go in and help the spirits that they've attracted to them, to help them release and transition, but also to educate those people as to how they could control this and use it if they want to, or, you know, lay it aside and never use it. So um, we do a lot of counseling, not only with uh, earthbound spirits, but also with our clients to try to educate them too. Right.
1: Makes sense. Yeah. It is a mediation of sorts, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
0: How did you discover that you had this gift? Like, what was was there a moment where you were like, oh, I have this? Or was it something that you always felt within you? Like, it's just always been there.
3: Yeah, there was, there was a, a house in a little town east of Memphis, uh, Bolivar, Tennessee, that was um, a Civil War house, an antebellum home. And the lady um, ran it as a bed and breakfast. And I'd read about it. There was a group from Nashville that had done some investigations there. So uh, we were kind of looking for a place maybe where we could teach people how to experience spirit energy. Mm. And, um, she was very open to that. So we started doing workshops there and I was sitting, uh, in, they had a little, um, separate building that used to be the kitchen of this house. And I was sitting in that, in that building one night. And all of a sudden I started feeling this tingling sensation. It's the only way I could describe it. It's like the wind was blowing my hair or ants were marching around on my hair. Um, on my head. And it was actually what it was, is was the energy interacting with my, um, my, uh, my own personal energy field. Uh, Mm Um, it was kind of a tingling sensation. So that, that started for me in about 2005. And, uh, as I met more mediums, it was like my spirit guides brought me different mediums in at different times. And I would work with one for a while and then another one. And by working with them, if I if we went into a location and I felt energy on this side, I would say to the medium I was working with, Do you see anyone here? And she might say, Yeah, there's a young woman over there, you know, sitting on the chair. And so I know now if I feel on this side it's feminine, this side's masculine. If I feel it lower, it's earthbound spirit, because it's it's their frequency that their energy is vibrating in. If I feel it higher, it's someone who's crossed over. If I feel them around the top up here, it's it's a guide or a master energy or angelic type energy. So, yeah, it's like I've been kind of mapped out my crown chakra for me. So, mm, I know. Right. And then uh, when I feel it going down the back of my neck, it's, it's the darker stuff. Mm. So, I have a warning system. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's actually, that's fascinating that the darker stuff is the back of your neck. Cause you know, how many times do we hear people say, oh, no. I felt something in the back of my neck. And that's, that's so interesting.
3: <laughs> it literally does crawl down the back of my neck and uh, that doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen that very often, but it has in the past.
1: Right. You know, Stephen, at the end of the day, what do you think is really going on? Why can't they cross to the other side?
3: well i think they stick around for a lot of different reasons uh i think there might be some kind of time limit involved when you pass uh to when there's a a portal or a wormhole or a doorway to the next level that's Mm -hmm. there the mediums when the the way they describe it when they see a crossing is this uh, slit of light opens up and there's like a as far as you can see, there's people. Um, these are probably the relatives of the person that we're working with. Uh, one one medium described it that way. Another one said it was more like a horizon that kind of opened up, and she could see people there. So I think I think there's um, those exit points are available for a certain amount of time, and then I think they they close up maybe for some reason. Mm-hmm. So the ones that don't take advantage of that opportunity to um, to go into the next level and uh, increase their awareness and their vibration, they get stuck, they get lost, and they don't know exactly what to do. And everything is about free will. So um, I know you know we work with some pretty powerful spiritual allies on the other side, but they will not step in unless they're asked to. In my experience, so. It used to bother me when we would go into a location there was a child spirit there. It's like, why hasn't someone helped this child, you know? But, you know, children, little people, they have, uh, they have free will and maybe that child is, you know, okay um, in that experience. And, but I also have noticed that whenever there is a child spirit who is earthbound, there's always a crossed over relative or someone around them who's kind of guarding them or, or watching over them until they're ready to release so, um, they, you know, they stick around for a lot of different reasons, fear of punishments, what they've told us. Um, they just enjoy where they are. Uh, sometimes people grieve someone so heavily I have a friend who I could feel her mother around her. I didn't know her mother was passed or anything like that. And I asked her, you know, are you, are you, is your mother in spirit? Is, are you grieving her? She said, yeah, I'm really grieving her. And so, um, actually talked to her mother (laughs) and said that she could help her better she would go ahead and release and transition. She could be more like a guardian angel for her daughter. So she was was okay with that. And I also explained that to the daughter. So she felt comfortable with that. But yeah, I mean, they're held here for lots of different reasons. And mostly it's just um,
2: personal preference.
1: We'll be right back with more of Stephen Williams here on Night Drift, presented by Euphemat.
2: Follow Euphemet on Spotify and subscribe on iTunes to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes. From the heart of Cascadia and the edge of the world, UFAMet presents Night Drift with Jim Perry.
1: Is there a time in specific that you can remember where a spirit has just sort of flatly refused your mediation and said, you know what? I'm staying here. This is what I'm doing. I don't want to cross over. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. And it's not our responsibility to move anybody out, you know, um, as long as they're not causing harm, there's been a couple occasions where I've had to call in uh, spiritual allies to rem- to remove someone that it, I, I felt like it was their decision because I knew they were causing harm or they're preventing someone else from crossing over. So we we've had to do that kind of thing occasionally. It's pretty rare, mm. but yeah, I mean, um, I know there's uh, there's there's one little case that I worked on with a, a child spirit named Henry. And um, I tried and tried and tried to counsel Henry and explain to him, you know, that he, his people were waiting on him and so forth. But he was having such a good time where he was. He never would he never would cross over. And, um, but he knows that he can. So I, I do feel like someday he will make that decision when he's ready. You know, he may need that experience to be an earthbound spirit. We don't know. We don't know what's their highest good.
1: Yeah, wow. Do you think there's... A- you know, potential for some spirits to be earthbound or stuck in a limbo state for some reason, like they are, you know, um, being tested or, uh, you know, not allowed to pass over to the other side. I I know this gets into a lot of sort of religious beliefs as well in terms of what Mm -hmm. could lay on the other side, but in your experience communicating with these spirits and also your spiritual guides, what's the impression you get about that relationship between you shall pass or you shall not? Is there some sort of gatekeeper?
3: I don't think there is. I think it all boils down to free will. Um, I have had a couple of cases that we've worked on where uh, someone was kind of caught in a mental loop, where they were were in their last thought uh, that they were having over and over. In particular, there was a young girl that was in a closet in a house in Midtown Memphis that we went to, and when we um, discovered her in the closet, all she would say is the house is on fire. The house is on fire over and over and over. Oh, wow! Mm-hmm. So um, we are energy channels and we're able to project um, higher vibrational energy to spirits if that's needed. And the three of us, that was Jennifer and Kayla and I were at that house and we were able to project that energy to her to the point where she was able to break out of that mental fog and it took a little while but she finally got had some clarity and we were able to get a dialogue with her and explain to her that no the house is not on fire that was a long time ago you know we can help you get to your loved ones to your family and she was very eager to go so i think sometimes they get they kind of get trapped in a a mental or emotional fog like that but um I don't think anyone prevents anyone from crossing over in my experience. I've never come across a situation like that.
1: Yeah.
4: Oof. Can I, can I tag onto that though? Like, cause like Jim's asking about kind of like a gatekeeper of like, you know, you shall not pass, but I kind of tied back to your friend whose mom had passed. Uh-huh. Do you find though that like, there's people that are grieving very heavily, but we're also in a very grief avoidant culture. Like yeah. as Americans, we don't love talking about death. We don't really like to face death. And we have this idea in our culture, like we've got to wrap it up in a little bow and put it away. Like once the funeral or the memorial or the celebration of life is done, like it's done. Mm-hmm. So do you ever find that an, an, a spirit is hanging around because of the fact that that somebody actually needs to grieve like the person that is still behind needs to grieve. And so they're hanging out, trying to help, but they can't really connect.
2: Wow.
3: Yeah. I think that's a distinct possibility. Yeah. I mean, the, the ones that are the grandmother, for instance, last night uh, that we encountered, she was not earthbound, but she had not completely transitioned. I think she'd gotten a glimpse of the next step, but she wanted to be around her great granddaughter and the message that she passed uh, to the great granddaughter through Stevie was that she was really, really proud of her. Uh, this was a high school girl; and she was getting ready to uh, apply for college, and she just wanted to know, wanted her to know that she was going to be with her every step of the way. And after she delivered that message, she her vibration increased, and she did cross over because we talked to her and also explained to her that she could actually do a better job of helping helping her great-granddaughter coming I feel her coming in right now by the way because oh, I'm still wow. connected to her in a yeah. sense but, um, so yeah I mean I think they they have their own agenda so to speak and if it's if it's going to serve the highest good for their loved one for them to be around and for that loved one to have that experience of grieving until they can release uh, unless somebody like me an intermediary can explain to both parties you know that's better if you just go ahead and and make this transition. So yeah, we're, we're very blessed to be able to uh, kind of be the go-between we're kind of vibrational bridges to be able to connect um, earthbound spirits with their loved ones on the other side. And it's, it's real blessing to, uh, to be able to perform that service. Uh,
0: yeah. I, I would actually like to know if, um, and only if you were comfortable sharing, but are there any stories from your own personal experience, you know, not necessarily with helping others, but how have you used, um, your gifts in your own life?
1: Uh,
3: well, um, what's respect respect you mean?
0: Oh, um, like have any, uh, deceased relatives visited you or like oh. in like, things like that. <laughs>
3: Well, I have uh, we have friends here in this area who are very, very gifted, clairvoyant, clairaudient, mediums. So I've received messages, both my parents are in spirit. Uh, when my dad passed away for about a month, he showed me, he was in service, so he showed me a little American flags every minute, just in the weirdest places, <laughs> uh, to kind of let me know he was okay. And then um, in a reading, he came through and... Um, It's my firm belief that this is a journey. It never ends, and we have more opportunities to advance um, spiritually and uh, intellectually and in all ways. And the message that came through my meeting friend Sheila was that my dad was actually studying architecture, so he uh, never had the opportunity to go to college, and he was one of ten children raised on a farm. So now he has – the interest that he had, he could pretty much imagine anything and build it when he was here. Uh, He he was very mechanically inclined. So um, apparently he's he's studying architecture. Who knows? He may choose to come back and be an architect next time. (laughs) I don't know. I love
1: that. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, Folks, we're going to go ahead and open up lines. So if anyone has a story they'd like to share with Stephen and us uh, to get feedback on, or if you have any questions surrounding this topic or anything really I encourage you to go ahead and include in chat or raise your hand and we'll get you on to contribute because we love chatting with each and every one of you. And I love getting to know patrons so much, you know, I wonder Stephen, how does this all make you feel when you go to bed at night and you have this sense of communing with not just the other side, but bridging the gap mediating and having earthly folk and -hmm. spirit folk all sort of like going in a progress, you know, in a positive direction. How does it, how does it, how does it sort of make you feel? Well, I live alone,
3: but I don't feel alone. I always know that I have my guides around me. I have native American guides that I've worked with for a long time. I know they're always around. Um, I can feel different, uh, crossed over spirits, uh, relatives come in at times, and um, I just know that, you know, I'm supported. And so that's a great feeling. I don't have to take any of this on faith anymore. You know, I, I know it's the truth, at least for me it's the truth. I've had too many experiences. that It's undeniable. So it's very comforting. Um, I never feel alone or, um, you know, like um, – I'm, a, I'm at peace, basically, in my right. life at this point. And um, it's a good feeling. I also wonder and hope and expect that when it becomes my time to transition, I will be met by some of these earthbound spirits, or maybe many of them that I've helped, helped cross over. Yeah. Because they do come to visit from time to time. A lot of times after we help, help someone transition, they will come, come back immediately and you know, kind of like a little thank you. So it's like, you know,
1: gosh, I didn't know that was so
3: easy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. That's the power of that mediation, right? Right. Giving to right. folks that there's, there is ease in some challenge and, uh, they can do things that maybe on earth even seems impossible. Right.
3: The other thing that uh, I've noticed with my guides and also with, uh my relatives and spirit is that they will leave gifts and, and show me signs. Uh, my guide, I call him seeing crows um, because they can, they can somehow manipulate the animal world to bring animals into your awareness. And I will many times see crows, like I'll be walking along a path or something and a crow will fly into a tree right above my head. And I could literally reach up and touch the crow if I wanted to. And that's, I mean, crows are not, Normally, that (laughs) friendly—they're a little bit more afraid of people, but um, or they'll they'll place you know six or seven on on the roof of my house at at odd times and things like that. So the other things that uh, I've noticed too is that and people should watch for this is um, loved ones will often bring coins or feathers and leave them inside the house (laughs) at different heard of that yeah. So I I was in a house one time with a young lady, and uh, she had had a lot of stuff going on in her house. Uh, This was in the early days when I used to use equipment. I wasn't quite aware as I am right now, but there was pennies all up and down the hallway. It was just – it was only – she and I were the only ones in the house. And so I said, well, let's pick up these pennies. And we did that, and we went into a a bedroom for about three minutes and came out, and there was pennies all up and down the hallway again. So those were definitely – those were definitely her loved ones on the other side that were trying to get messages through to her at that time.
4: That's amazing. Yeah. We get, we get dimes in this house.
3: That's good. They never even silver dollars or gold coins, though. I don't know what the deal
4: is. <laughs> right.
1: Right. I'll take dollars.
3: <laughs> those, those literally are from heaven. I always advise my clients to get a special container and put them in there because they, they'll keep bringing them and put them up on the mantle or some, you know, special place on a shelf. Wow. They're, they're
1: you tell that story right after telling the story about crows in which when yeah. folks develop relationship with crows, they bring sort of objects, little totems, <laughs> like coins and stuff. So that that's fascinating. And it brings up this question and mm-hmm. we talk about pets a lot and animals in, in this interview series and what has been your relationship with spirit animals, or has there been opportunities to to mediate and help animals cross over, dear pets, or even messages?
3: Well, I have a friend um, from Maryland who is a pet medium, <laughs> and anytime when we have that reunion that I was mentioning earlier of my teacher, she comes to that, and she will always bring everybody's pets through you know their their dogs and cats
2: Aww.
3: so um personally my i've had limited experience with that but the house where i started feeling the energy um uh, that antebellum home uh the lady the last lady of the family that owned the house that lived in there um before it passed to a different family uh she had a cat named whitey and it was kind of unusual because she loved her cat so much she wanted it buried in the person, the people's cemetery with her, which, you know, you don't do that here in the South, <laughs> but, but some people denied her that her request and they started the story I heard was they started having a lot of odd, weird things happen in their house. So they relented and let her bury Whitey in the cemetery with her next to her grave. But I actually saw Whitey run through the house one night, uh, late at night. It was kind of like a white blur. Um, ran across the floor in the, the parlor there. So I've had a few experiences with, with animals, not too many.
1: Yeah, it's powerful, oh. powerful stuff. Um, just a relationship to different types of energies, different types of spirits. You know, it just doesn't seem, you know, we're, we're so, you know, concerned, of course, with humanistic spirits, but there's a lot of different energies and you describe them from, you know, there are these like sort of elemental energies as well.
3: Right? absolutely
1: and they're sort of unclassifiable or at least they challenge your uh expectations for what they could be right uh, has there ever been a situation where you've encountered your energy where you go is oh, yeah. extraterrestrial <laughs> is this you know what is this
3: yeah uh, when jennifer joined our team she joined in may of 2019 she was with us about a year and she is um very uh, familiar with elementals and fairy energy and that kind of stuff, which I had zero experience with. But as soon as she joined up, okay, we started experiencing some of that. <laughs> and we went into a business one time and we were going through uh, to check for earthbound spirits. And we got to this one room and there was, I could not really read this energy. It was, it felt masculine to me, but it felt unlike anything I'd ever felt before. I could tell it was there. I didn't know exactly what it was, I uh, didn't feel malevolent or anything like that, it just it was odd. And so um, Sheila, who worked the medium I was telling you about that brought the message through from my dad, she worked with us a little bit in the beginning until she got really busy with her readings, and she could see it. And she said that it, was, it was like a little gremlin-like creature. So that was my first experience with an elemental, and apparently he stayed in this one area, uh, probably on the land before the house was built there, and he was kind of um, on the on the land or on the ground underneath the building itself, and he wasn't causing any problems. I don't know what he was there for, but uh, it was quite interesting.
1: Yeah, right. Just his presence is enough. Yeah, and be be like, whoa. Um, uh, last call for any patrons that want to chat with Steven, we're going to let him loose in five minutes here, Steven, you know, I'll pass it over to Sapphire Darcy. If you have any questions right now, and if you don't, I certainly do have one.
0: Um, not so much a question, but a comment on the last thing that you just brought up. Um, where was the little gremlin guy found? Like where in the world was that?
3: I was in uh, a little uh, town, next to Memphis named Germantown. And it was in a business. It was in an old house that people had lived in. had been converted to a business. So he was just in one room. Apparently that was his uh, territory or domain. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was very much, um, not attached to the land, but, um, he was, he was in that area for some reason, more so than any other part. But he was, he was definitely below the floor. This was, this was a, um, not a slab type construction It was, um, I forget what they call it when it's above the ground and there's a crawl space there. He was in the crawl space.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's just funny because, um, in Filipino folklore, there's something very similar to well, oh, yeah. like a gremlin thing. Yeah. It's called a duende. Um, and it's similar to a leprechaun. It's similar to things in all these different types of cultures. And so I always am very fascinated when I hear people seeing things that are very similar to things all over the world, but just called something different, you know, it sort of yeah. just solidifies like, yeah, these things are everywhere. You're just called something else. Right. I just thought that was cool. <laughs> well,
4: I was, Oh, sorry. I was wondering for you being clairsentient, like cause you're talking about like walking into a space and being like, Oh, here's this energy. And mm-hmm. you were talking earlier about keeping your vibration high,
2: mm-hmm.
4: but I'm wondering how long it has taken you to train yourself because when you walk into spaces, sometimes you just like, you know, you're out running errands right? or you're you're going to meet with friends or family or things like that. And suddenly it's like, Oh, this is not something I expected and things on your right or your left, or like you're saying like down your neck, Mm -hmm. like how do you, how do you deal with that? And have you had to have some like, interesting conversations with patrons or people you're around where you're like, Hey, just wondering, um, when you don't close at night, <laughs> do you see things? Do you hear things? Like I'm wondering how much that comes into your every day.
3: Well, I never close down. Um, the teacher that I studied with always advises mediums to close down. And most mediums do need to do that when they're, you know, they're either working, they're doing readings. And then when they're finished, they close down. Me, Because I'm in spirit rescue, and that's my passion, I want to stay open all the time. So, yeah, I can walk into Walmart, and I can feel a spirit there, (laughs) maybe traveling with someone. Uh, We've also had instances where we, uh, one time we were driving on the interstate, Kayla and Jennifer and I, crossing the Tennessee River, going about 70 miles an hour, and a gentleman got in the car with us. And he was a wandering spirit. who was looking for his mother. He was from the World War II era. Huh. And we did some counseling and actually helped him cross over as we were driving to another location. So <laughs> awesome. I, stay open all, I stay open all the time. It doesn't bother me. I, I feel like my guides kind of regulate that. I'm not inundated with it. So maybe they kind of line them up or they say, well, you can come and and visit or connect with them today, and and you over here, maybe tomorrow. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like it's regulated for me. Um, And the way I was trained uh, by my teacher is that you do not ever violate um, universal law and and read anybody without their permission or Mm -hmm. deliver a message without their permission. So... Uh, I'm a massage therapist and I, I'm an energy worker and I always finish my massages with energy work. And a lot of times loved ones will come through and I'll get messages, but unless I've heard my client make some kind of comment uh, during that session or previous sessions to let me know that they're open to this, I will never, I just mm-hmm. don't deliver those messages. You know, somebody else will eventually get the message to the person, but if they're open to it, you know, I'll always say to them, uh, Hey, we get some some messages here tonight. You, would you like to hear, or would you like to know if someone's around us? And they, most people are, you know, excited about that.
1: Yeah! Wow, that's amazing. I wish I, I wish I, I need to come and get a massage from you. I think is, is what the <laughs> deal is. I, I wish that was included. Usually, um, I got a question here from a listener Jay. Fascinating take on the classification of entities. Do you see a correlation with Keel's concept? of superspectrum, which is to say an ultra-terrestrial and or a connection to a multitude of phenomenons that could be the same thing. So ghosts, extraterrestrials, fairy, this phenomenon. Do you feel there is a correlation between these types of entities? Are they just perhaps a type of modality?
3: You know, I don't know. I've been asked that question before. Uh, my experience has always been working with people who don't have bodies <laughs> or spirits. Uh, I, I'm open to the possibility that there uh, there may be some overlap here or there, or some of this is interdimensional. I've um, never had experiences with um, ETs. I've had clients who have had both uh, ghost or spirit-type experiences and ET-type experiences. Mm. Um, so Uh, It's to me, everything is, again, is energy and frequency and vibration. So it doesn't really, I don't don't think we have to put a label on things anymore. You know, Uh, it's just, we're working with energy, intelligent energy. Uh, It it may manifest uh, one way or another, uh, but it's all part of creation anyway.
1: Yeah. Jeez. It feels that way too. I don't know when you're in those situations, a lot of that interaction between even people's stories, feel the same
3: mm-hmm.
1: no matter what the entity may be uh right. Stephen, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence today it was it was so fascinating and i'd love to have you back and once i you know finally am able to get back on the road i, I want to come visit you over there in tennessee
3: oh, please do um, All of you are invited. Come to Memphis. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much. What a, what a, <laughs> a cool place to go to. Uh, do you have any uh, last parting messages, uh, anything that you would like folks to check out what you're working on, et cetera?
3: Well, I'm actually working on a guidebook about spirit rescue. There's a few books out there. Uh, there's a medium from New Hampshire named Amy major, who's written a couple of books they're really good. And there's uh English medium. Uh, named Wilma Davidson, who wrote a book about a dozen, about 12 years ago. But I'm working on a guidebook, and I hope to publish it later this year. And it will have all the um, techniques that I've developed and learned from working with different mediums. And I'm a KISS kind of guy, so it's going to be really simple. Uh, it's e- it'll be easy for anyone to pick up and, and try these techniques. And uh, we do vibrational clearing. So I'll talk about that in, in the book and also um, particular frequency that I work with and the spiritual allies that we work with on the other side. So I hope to have that out later this year.
1: Thank you so much.
3: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: We'll be right back with more conversation here on Night Drift presented by Euphabed.
4: One of her maids in the Philippines was an Aswan.
0: I felt like someone was choking me. I
4: looked up and I saw it and I looked right at it. Nobody saw a single thing. There's such thing as evil spirits. I believe that. Those very people who don't believe in something end up getting bitten the ass later on.
0: Hello, believers, non-believers, and everyone in between. I'm Sapphire Sindalo creator of the something scary web series and podcast panelist on travel channels paranormal caught on camera and now the host of stories with sapphire it's a podcast where i share my personal exploration of paranormal phenomena through stories interviews and poems new episodes every wednesday wherever you listen to podcasts you can also join me live every week on twitch when i draw my episode thumbnail art Head over to storieswithsapphire.com for more information. That's Sapphire, S-A-P-P-H-I-R-E. Salamat and good night.
2: You are listening to Night Drift with Jim Perry. From west of the Cascades to the rest of the world, lines are open.
1: And as we're letting Steven off the hook, uh, we can continue here with a, with an after show if you, if you folks would like and and just talk a little bit about, uh, what we have coming up. It's also a great opportunity for me to make sure my cat is now not attacking me. This is what happens. Like post show, she she kind of like knows when the interview is is over. And Stephen, you're more than welcome to continue. You know, professor. Hey, all right, cool, awesome. I think it was all the there was the talk of the spirit <laughs> animals, right? So <laughs> Blackie? Oh, hello. Yeah, this, this is Blackie. <laughs> all right. There you are. <laughs> what? Are uh, you? So uh, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, as we continue looking into the relationship between what some of this paranormal phenomenon could be, its relationship to consciousness, and our ability to tap into something greater through a myriad of modalities, including things like mobile app games like Randonautica. Uh, We're going to continue exploring that topic. And also, for those of you that were on, when I didn't record that conversation with Josh, the CEO of Randonautica, yeah, that was great. Uh, we have him back on Friday, September 11th, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Tim Rothschild and I are back with that. We invite you guys to, to, uh, to check that out. That's going to be fun. You know, Darcy, that was a really interesting chat for a lot of different reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of them were more surprising than others, but I don't think I was able to sort of get your take. And I hope that for those that are joining us right now, can you explain just like for a second, what Randonautica was and why I became so obsessed with it?
4: <laughs> sure. So Randonautica is uh, an app that uh, takes random points and you set intention and then ask this bot to generate uh, a geographic point that you can travel to based on your intention. And it came very uh, to the front, forefront of the news for negative reasons, right? Which you had mentioned that like the whole Randonautica team was like, what are you going to ask? Because it led some um, uh, folks in Seattle to a dead body, but it has also led all these other folks to incredible like pieces of art and spooky things. And we were having a really fascinating conversation about people setting different intentions based on either solo uh, nodding or journeying with other people and like the things that they came upon during that time. So it's a really interesting look at, um, global consciousness, right? And what do we do when we set intentions and what in the universe draws us to it? Uh, and so it's just, it's a fascinating idea to see how we can use our energies, our vibrations within like the realms of like technology and, and influence those things. Yeah. How's right. that for you, Jeff?
1: <laughs> no, it was so good. It was so good because it brought just more things about it that I was curious with and fascinated by. Uh, I want to get, you know, maybe Stephen's take on that and, and Sapphire's take on that as well, if, if either of you have heard of this app or experimented with it. But, you know, it does go back to intention. It goes back to the uninitiated. Welding the power of intention and not clearly, maybe knowing what they can and cannot do with it and how powerful it is. And listen, I think more often than not, that's probably positive. It's awakening something in them that is showing them, like, oh my gosh, if this is real, then what else could be real? And maybe that steps away from them finding their own sense of intuition and tapping into their own powers. And that's what I hope is happening there. But I'll tell you, even using it as a bystander once with two other grown men, in the middle of the day, we, we were taken to a, a, a swanky neighborhood, and the geolocation was pointing directly towards some attic in a fancy house, and we felt an insane amount of dread, like we're going to be attacked at any moment in time. So what does that mean? You know what I mean? Someone <laughs> that you know, has to go into some of the most haunted locations on earth some of those active paranormal locations that anyone can talk about or be featured on travel channel and set your intent and know that you can go into these spaces and try to move through them. Why is it that this app messes with me so bad? (laughs) Right. So Stephen, have you ever heard of this app before? I've right? heard of
3: it. Actually, I did another interview with uh, another gentleman and he had done some a couple of podcasts on it. So I I looked into it a little bit. I mean, it just seems to me as a uh, a way to focus your intention, you know, and you know, the mind is so powerful and and um, our creativity is so vast. Um, it's probably a, a channeling tool in a sense. It, you your higher self uses it to guide you to to some experience you need to have.
1: Yeah. Talk- wow. Well, fascinating.
3: No, the attic that you're talking about is where the diaper guy lives. Okay. So you, don't want to go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you do not want to go in that attic. <laughs> <laughs> do not go. Yeah, we did not And I will not. Um, Sapphire. Have you ever, have you ever used this thing?
0: I have not, but I actually heard something a little bit different about the app. I heard that it takes you to, um, coordinates that are supposed to be where there is a glitch in the simulation.
4: Mm.
0: I don't know if you guys have heard of that, Uh but I, yeah, but I thought that was really interesting. Uh Um, I don't know how everyone here feels about the simulation theory.
1: Right. Well, you know, it's a well of possibilities. I think the the mass of folks that are now using that app, it's Mm -hmm. getting close to 9 million people, I think, are using this thing. You know, there's all sorts of ideas. There's, uh, I have this to remind me here, there's a whole group of people on Reddit that believe they're quantum leaping when using Mm -hmm. the app and that they have, you know, they're collecting evidence. And there's now people tying it into the Mandela effect. And that, you know, this is a way to prove that something like the Mandela effect is real and simulation theory is, is, is present. Right. So yeah, the, the glitch in the matrix, but also the tear in the veil. That's <laughs> that so many are talking about. I don't know. What do you think about that? Darcy, is this, uh, an example of something more, uh, quantum or is it, <laughs> you know,
4: it, you know, I don't know because like the experiences I like personally I've had with it. Like I got taken to a swanky house as well that I just felt like a lot of intense energy coming off of. And I don't know because that house also happened to be for sale. And so I don't know if it was like huh. this liminal space for families, right. This family leaving a uh, possibly a family coming. The weird mm. thing is though, I went back to like look at the pictures of that house, like on you know, Zillow or Redfin or whatever. And it sold the same day I went to visit it, which <laughs> I thought was really weird. Um, but I've been taken to these other, other places, right? And I think kind of tying into what Stephen was saying, like the idea of like channeling and setting that intention. Like, I don't, honestly, I don't know enough about, I, I feel like I know like this much about quantum string theory and quantum leaping and all of these things. But I think that it is important in our time and our space where everything is just so rote and automatic for so many of us, right. We're just going through life, going through the same things. Like even, even when we're allowed to leave the house to go to jobs, right. It's those same routines and those same things. And you, you know, where you get on a freeway or a highway and you're dr- you just go on autopilot. right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think the fact that this app is saying, Hey, take a beat, set an intention, and focus on that, right? And just focus on that, because I think, as Josh had said to us, like that he always says, you know, pick anomaly. Like, pick the most open thing that you can be drawn to. And I think in the times that I've used it, I've found that, like, my intention shows up in really interesting contextual ways. Like, Mm. one day set the intention for love, right? So, you know... Take me to love, and it took me into this apartment complex. And here were these two brothers playing together. Mm. Right? So it's like, is that there's like, there's that love there, right? It's not romantic love, it's not, you know, love written on a wall as some people have seen. But I think that to me, the way I focus on it is that moment of pause and intention. And, you know, tied to a few things we've talked about tonight, how important it is for what is our intention behind it? Is our intention positive? Is our intention for good things? Is our intention to help, right? Like I, I feel like I'm a lifelong helper. I'm gonna help people. And so I tend to be in, always in the intention of, of good things, right? And, and doing those things. Other folks may not even know how to set those kinds of intentions. So right. if that can start to, I think, train people to focus, just take those moments. I think that regardless of the kind of adventures they might have can really be just a positive space for that type of energy going out into the world. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right.
3: Mm-hmm. Almost like a pause button in respect, you know, just kind of takes you out of the flow to where you actually focus on something that's really important maybe to you at that time. Um, I think a lot of people have these signs that are presented to them and they never see them. They miss them. You know unless somebody points it out and says, "Hey, you know, start looking for coins or look for repeating numbers and that type of thing." Um, people are just so busy now, and um, yeah. it's a, it's a way to focus it seems to me. do most people report positive experiences from using that
1: app? You know, I think the majority of reports that we're seeing are the ones that have experienced something weird or dark or salacious. And I, I don't Uh think that's because they outweigh the amount of experiences people have that have been positive. I think that it's, it's more that the folks that have had positive experiences simply don't report them, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, but you know, Steven, do you think there's a possibility of, you know, an app that is presenting possibility for things like synchronicity or messages to come through? do you think there's a possibility that spirit could start using apps and technology like that to give messages to loved ones then?
3: I think it's a possibility. Sure. I think there's, um, they use technology all the time in 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 ways that let people know that they're there, they'll turn things on and off or, you know, intensify lights and that type of thing. So they're definitely a form of energy and they can manipulate energy. So why not? I mean, I've had clients report to me that they've received tight messages mm. uh, through the Yahoo search or you know, Yahoo search box or something on their wow. TV. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, True. I mean, it seems to me like they're getting more up to speed with our technology <laughs> as a communication tool. So
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't think
3: there's anything out outside the realm of possibility with that.
1: Yeah. Amazing. Um, uh, listener Heather has a comment here i think randonautica can act in some ways like tarot cards or tarot or or oracle cards it is up to the seeker to define the meeting uh, uh, for themselves on whatever level they are ready to receive right yeah yeah uh in that way you're interpreting what level you're ready to engage with right
3: true yeah
1: yeah, definitely yeah, an interesting modality uh that we'll continue investigating and looking into. It's uh past 18, eight uh eight fifteen, folks, and I'm you know, not able to speak anymore. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna call it for the night. Uh Sapphire, where can people find all of your stuff? I'll of course have it in the show notes and everything, but but please tell us about the exciting projects that you're working on. Sure.
0: Um you could find me on the travel channel on Sundays at Oh, when is it at 10 p.m. Eastern on Paranormal Caught on Camera? And then I also let
1: me text my, my mother in law <gasps> real quick. I'll <We'll laughs> yeah. know exactly what time. <laughs> That's um, a great
3: show. Love that show.
0: Oh, yeah. yay. Thank That's you. Very cool. Uh, and there's also a new show on Travel Channel that I'm going to be on. It premieres next week uh, called Paranormal Night Shift. So people nice. are going to talk about their uh, experiences working, like the night shift at work and the ghosts that they see and stuff um and then jim you're gonna be on my show yeah (laughs) in a couple weeks that's right um i forget the day but i'm sure you'll (laughs) tell people i have a podcast called stories of sapphire it's currently on hiatus but it will be back in a month or so and i believe that's it you could just find me my socials if you just google my name
1: (laughs) fantastic Uh, darcy how about
4: you uh you can find me on the social medias at darcy Stanaforth. and uh it looks like things with mysteries decoded are starting to move forward a little bit more so i'll hopefully have some more updates on that podcast soon but yeah come find me on instagram or twitter and let's talk about ghosts and stuff
1: (laughs) fantastic and steven just so we have it again you want folks to visit your website or where can they go? to? Yeah, that's,
3: a, that's the best way to get to us. It's Memphis ghost investigations. That's plural.com. And we're also, we also have a Facebook page. I usually put more pictures on the Facebook page and that's uh Memphis ghost investigations and spirit rescue. We don't do any other social media too busy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's good <laughs> choose. Choose a lane. <laughs> All right, thank you so much everyone. This was as just such a fun time. And uh until next time, we'll see you soon and keep looking up. Take care everyone. Thank you. Love you,
3: cheers. Take care. Stay well.
4: Bye. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening to this edition of Night Drift presented by Ufmet. Thank you again to our guest, Stephen Williams, and our co hosts, Sapphire Sandalo and Darcy Staniforth. You can find links to their work in the show notes. To be a part of our next live Zoom interview, join us on Patreon. It's $5 per month and includes access to You've Met, the original series, and much more. For everything You've Met, including how you can subscribe to the show, our short film series with Carl Pfeiffer of Hellier, merch, and links to our social media visit euphamet.com. Thank you, as always, for listening to this bonus series, Night Drift. This is Jim Perry, and until next time, keep looking up.
2: Follow euphemet on Spotify and subscribe on iTunes to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes.